Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Harriet Kimmer, and this is Down to Earth, the podcast in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today being Sunday, it's time for faith. We explore concepts of faith, and we talk about faith and its impact on our lives. And we hope to demonstrate by the end of this podcast how faith can make a difference in either the way you perceive things or on your actions this week. So today I want to talk about let this mind be in you. It's a scripture. It's a passage of scripture. You know about the Holy Scriptures. For every faith, there is a holy book. For the Christian faith, it's the Bible. For other faiths, they have the Quran. They have the uh, the Torah. And, of course, they have the, the Sanskrit in Hindu. So every faith has its holy writing. So for the Christian faith, it is the Bible. And I know there's a lot of talk today about Christianity and a lot of questions surrounding the validity of Christianity. And I hear you. I totally get you. But I want you to see <clears throat> and put Christianity within the context of an unarmed brown man from the Mediterranean named Jesus who, just like the rest of us who are protesting now, declared war and decided that the oppressive system and the systemic issues that were existing in his time impacted his people and the people who looked like him. And he decided to take his words to the streets and organize the people around a central message of deliverance from Almighty God. It's that simple. He was a revolutionary. The whitewashed idea that you have seen propagated over the last 400 years of Christianity is not true. Because the real story of Jesus, founded and housed in the New Testament, describes a man who was clearly on a mission for three years to change the minds of people about their situation. He intended to revolutionize the way people govern by encouraging the people to find freedom even in the way they think. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He was telling the people, go set yourselves free, (laughs) right? But that is not how Christianity has been presented. Christianity has been presented within the context of Malachi 3 and 8, give all your money to the preacher. Is it any wonder that people today have no founding and no resonance with Christianity? Because you grew up hearing preachers say, give all your money to God. The preacher ended up getting it, taking it to his bank, It was in his bank account. And when your parents and grandparents needed the money, they could never get help. They never lived like the preacher did. Is it any wonder? Well, that's a false message. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel found in Corinthians says, give as you ought to give. But here you have people preaching oppression, telling you to give 10% of your tithe. That's exactly what Jesus came to deliver us from. Jesus told the people, you have turned my faith. He went into the temple. He overturned the money changers. He overturned the wickedness. You rarely hear preachers preach about that because then it would have ignited fire in their own congregation. But what they told you was that you were supposed to give. 
And you got to look at who the messaging was coming from. When you look at Christianity, I used to wonder when I was in certain congregations, especially predominantly white congregations, I used to wonder why the disproportionate number of people who were poor were black. I used to wonder about that. I said, there's something wrong with the way this is presented. And I heard it was a white woman. I, I kid you not. She's a prophet. It was a white woman who explained it to me. Do you, are you hearing me? She said the reason they preach this to poor, to, to black congregations is because black people would give their money first before they paid their bills. And they would give their money in, in accordance with what the preacher says and give up their money so they would never pay their, their mortgages or they'd never pay their car notes. I said, you've got to be kidding. And she said, preachers knew that. That's why they get black people emotional so that they can get emotional and they will give all their money to the church and then have nothing for the rest of the week. Are you hearing me? And many of you grew up seeing your parents and grandparents even leaving lands and deeds to the church instead of leaving it to you. And the preacher got it. And then he sold it and made himself richer. Because if you leave it to the church, who owns the church? People lacked an understanding of how corporate establishments were, but the preacher did not. He knew. And so we have this false idea of Christianity that does not come from truth. It comes from a wicked place that was designed to systemically oppress people financially and economically, in addition to the other systemic issues. One of the issues I had was, how is it that only black people in the congregation are poor? What is it that is going on? Because there was systemic racism that was present. And the systemic racism that was present ensured that white people continually had access to national resources, state resources. They were in charge of the distribution of resources. So they made sure that people of color were denied access. But then they went to church on Sunday morning and told you how God loves you. And they give you a false message filled with, free, with fake hope that didn't work. Well, I have come to tear down those ideas because that's not Christianity. The true message of the gospel is liberation, is liberty and freedom and justice for all. Just like the founding fathers said. That's what they thought they were supposed to say, but they forgot that, that all men included black, white, yellow, and red. They didn't make that stipulation. And all men included women. Right? So the fake message, I have come to tear it down, and I'm going to show you systemically over time how this message of Christianity has created, this fake message, has created nothing but wars in homes. Has created Because it's like the parents kind of know a semblance of the truth, but the children are looking at a different reality. And that different reality is not helping them to understand that what the preacher has been saying, he's following a script. And what he's been saying does not resonate. And what has happened now is that now we're all aware. And we realize that Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, was an unarmed brown man. He was not blonde. He was not blue-eyed. He said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. When they used to talk about that, they talk about abundant life in heaven. They would never tell you how to have abundant life here on earth. You know how they told you to have abundant life here on earth? Give unto me. 
give on to the church and God will turn around and bless you. So naturally, you and I look at each other like that doesn't even make sense. Is God not sensible? So God must be an idiot then. God is some wound up robot eyes toy. That's exactly how they wanted you to think. Because if you thought too much about it, guess what would happen? If you thought too much about it, you would realize that there are errors in their message. So they gloss it over, they get you emotional and get you hyped up, and then you forget about it. And you keep hoping and hoping that your situation will change when, in fact, you're not hearing the right message. Well, the Bible says that a day unto the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. It means, therefore, that God waited all this time. He gave them enough time to correct. He gave them enough time to change a message. They wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't change it. And, of course, they persecuted people who were speaking the truth. If you suddenly rose up to be a preacher, they call you aside and indoctrinate you. You've got you if, even if you are sounding just like I am sounding, they're going to take you aside and say, man, that's not what we say. This is how we say it. This is how we do it. You want to be with us? This is how we roll. And so they whitewash people all the time, change it, sound different. That's why people start out and you're like, wow, they're really saying something. And then over time, and those people end up seeing the same results in their, in their lives. They end up getting divorced. Their family lives are destroyed. They run from pillar to post. They lose their ministry. They lose everything because they bought into, they changed the messaging. God called them to a different order. There's a man named Benningham right now who is paying that price. God called him to a radical different order. He decided he was going to move with the Christian power brokers of the time. It was more important to him to follow the Christian power brokers than to follow Christ. He lost his ministry, lost his family, and is now preaching on Periscope. When he had a whole platform that God had given him, he decided to pervert the gospel, twist it to so that it could be appealing to the Christian power brokers of his son. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tear those walls down. I'm, if you follow me and listen to, listen to my words, you're going to find that your idea changes over time. I know it's not popular, and I don't aim to be popular. I aim to do exactly, to be on the mission exactly that I was sent. I've lived enough hardships, enough trials, tribulations, that doesn't scare me. Threats of violence do not scare me. You come against me, well, good luck to you. I'm, I'm going to turn around. I'm not the one to turn another cheek. I'm going to turn around and give on to you exactly what you gave on to me. Because enough is enough. People need hope. They need a hope that is bigger than myself, bigger than them. People need to know that God is with them. Do you see the protest taking place in the streets? Do you realize that we're in the midst of a race war inspired and instigated by the president of the United States? He implemented this. He was the one who ignited the flames of racism. He pushed and pushed and pushed until now the whole country is at war. Meanwhile, white people were gathering around him and saying he's right. And now the whole country is breaking apart. And even they who supported him are aghast and say, oh, my God, this is not what we signed up for. Too bad when he was stoking the fires of racism, you joined with him. And now here we are. We have a race war on our hands. There was a shooting and one person died in Louisville, Kentucky last night. That was no ordinary protest. 
that was the Ku Klux Klan igniting a race war. Under previous president, they were kept calm. The FBI had them under a muzzle. Under this president, he enlarged them, emboldened them, and set them free to start a race war in America. When I say God help us, I literally mean God is going to help us and help to help ourselves. We only have a few more months left in this election cycle. Actually, it's more than that. It's six months because it doesn't end until January. We need to pray more than we have ever prayed before. We need to be mindful and understand that some of the stuff you're going to hear up in the next several months are not going to be black people turning guns on one another. They're going to be white people dressed up in blackface, shooting at black people to start a race war. So there will be war in the streets of America just because this man cannot have his way. How did he get there? By a group of Christian evangelicals who listened to this man who described grabbing women by the pee, who listened to this man as he soaked the fires of racism, and they promoted him. They said he was a man from God. They said he was a man who was sent to turn this nation around. The man had just had three wives. He has five children by three wives, and you really think the man never one day professed to be a Christian. He couldn't find a scripture in the Bible if you asked him. And the Christian evangelicals promoted this man. I call them the Christian power brokers. It was more important to them to enlarge their territory and continue to get funding on their program that George Bush had set up for faith builders to be part of stakeholders and community engagement. It was more important for them to be at Washington think tanks because Washington is the power city in the country. Everybody wants to go to Washington because it's, they make it, it sounds important. It was more important for them, the Christian evangelical preachers, to support this man who was igniting the flames of racism. And they came and told their, their congregations, this man is going to bring America back. Bring America back to what? America was never based on equality. America had never been equal. It's a growing nation, and we are growing to learn to incorporate everybody. America separated everybody and think that only one race could be superior. And now that we're finding out that that does not work because it excludes large numbers of the population. So how, in the name of God, you're preaching Christianity, and you're going to support a candidate who supports this unity? How? How was that possible? Christian power brokers. Well, over the last four years, what we have seen is the dismantling of their ministry. They've effectively been sidelined and dismantled. They don't have a stage to stand on except one they create. The Bible Belt practically doesn't exist because most people have migrated out or they no longer are listening to that whitewashed gospel message. So their power structures, their power base is disappearing. Whereas before they could go to politicians and say, well, uh, we have over uh, 5 million people. No, they don't have Jack. That was God effectively sidelining them because this whitewashed message of Christianity does not line up with the truth. And if there's one thing we know about the Bible is that the Bible seeks to present the truth. It is the intention of God that the truth shall set you free. They haven't been preaching that. They've been preaching a notion that promotes racism and segregation for centuries, a notion that promotes white supremacy. Jesus wasn't even white. How, how you even got that? People from Israel 
are not white, y'all. In the days when Jesus was born, people from Israel came out of Africa. Are you all hearing me? They all traveled the Sahara. They all traveled near the Nile. The are you hearing me? And they matriculated northeastward. So how Jesus was going to be white and blonde with blue eyes. And if at the time of Jesus' birth, when he was two years old and his parents, Joseph and Mary, had to flee, his stepfather Joseph and his mother Mary, had to flee to Egypt, how could they have thought they would be in Egypt if they were not looking like the people from Egypt? He couldn't have been blonde and blue-eyed because the people in Egypt are not blonde and blue-eyed. They changed the gospel to suit them. We're kind of lucky in the sense that they could have found any other message from any other place to promote. But luckily they, changed, they chose the gospel. So now God is revealing his truth to his emissaries and his messengers. I urge you to open your ears and listen. The Bible says, who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Listen when they start speaking. If it still sounds side whitewash and they're still trying to say, turn to your neighbor and turn around three times, they're still preaching the message that gets you emotional and not the message of truth. And what we need in this day is truth because the truth is what's going to set us free. We need truth that provides guidance. We need truth that is empowering. We need truth that is going to help us achieve unity, even at a time when we don't feel like talking to anybody. We're dealing with 400 years of acrimony and 400 years of hostility and 400 years of systemic racism that has disempowered us, that has robbed us of the very things our ancestors have worked for. We're dealing with 400 years of trauma. Believe me, nobody wants to hear unity. But at the same time, we have to look to the future. And if we're not united, we'll be a nation forever disunited. We'll be a nation forever divided. And that is not going to be true for our republic. It's not going to be good for a republic because to maintain our position of power so every other nation doesn't come hurt hitting at us, we've got to be united. And to be united, we're going to have to come to this place where we accept certain things about our past. We're going to have to accept the things about our past that we don't like. But there has to be peace and there has to be uh, ancillary from the other side. There has to be a coming together of minds and a meeting of minds that is going to say we were wrong then, we are wrong now, we need to find a way to move forward. We need to move forward. Here is what we're going to do. We don't need a person, we don't need a leader who is going to tell people that you can't march against monuments. Those very monuments are statues. Those statues are monuments to oppression. They remind us of an oppressive past and continue to enforce the idea that oppression is the only way to lead. And that is wrong on every level. Oppression, you are running your companies. You don't oppress the people who work for you. They will walk out and leave. You will find that people are your business. People are your currency. That is what you traffic in is people. Therefore, you cannot have a disharmonious relationship with people. You need people. It's amazing to me how anybody can say they're successful, but their people see them as an ogre and a dictator. 
No, you must have a relationship with your people where as their leader, they trust you, but at the same time, they recognize that you are the leader. You must know how to do that. That's a skill. There are a couple of people who have that skill. Look around you, right? They're still calling on them. They've been out of power for four years. Are people still calling them to say, you have something to say? Can you just speak right now into this situation? It's amazing. They're calling on a guy who is running for president who hasn't even won it yet, but he's the one. They're calling on a guy who runs New York State. They're calling on the girl who runs Michigan. Say, say something into this void of leadership right now. Step right into this. Say something to make us feel as a nation that we can move forward. We got to move forward. And there's got to be peace and unity, even in a time when we are at our most acrimonious towards one another. The scripture says, let this mind be in you. That is in Christ Jesus. It's taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And actually, it says unity through humility. But here's the thing. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Are you hearing me? What does the scripture say? It says, if we're going to do anything, we have to be on one accord, we have to have the same love, and we have to have one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than ourselves. How are we going to move together, forward together, if we don't look at each other and esteem that you are better than me? That you have a contribution and a gift that is so valuable to the pacing of our republic that we don't engage each other. How did we ever think we were going to get anywhere as a nation if we didn't have love for one another, if we didn't esteem the other as being as valuable as we think we are? We never fulfilled the scripture. We fulfilled all of the parts of it that suited us, where we collected people's money and went home to live in our mansion. And then a flood came through Houston, and Joel Osteen said that he's not opening his church. Yeah, this happened. He's not opening his church. No, I don't need to be validated by famous men. I am validated by Jesus Christ, and that's enough for me. The Bible continues to say, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other. You know what that means? That means you don't vault yourself above anyone. I am the president. I know more than everybody else. I am the professor. I am the president of the bank. I know more than anybody else. I'm the economist. No, no, no. You recognize that as a person, as a matter of fact, one of the things I've found in life is that the more power you have, is the more humble you are. Yes, is the more humble you are because you recognize that the power you have could hurt someone else. So you don't want to make that person feel so uncomfortable. So you approach them with quietness of spirit, and you say, let me hear. It's like you're a parent and you have a child. You have a child, right, a small child, right? When you are disciplining your child, you realize that you have the power to really hurt them. But you don't let that power 
hurt that child because you love them. So when you are approaching them, you say, please, could you do me a favor? Sit down and not say anything. Because you recognize you have the power to stop their whole lives from going around. So you talk to them nicely. Now, your child is sitting over there thinking that, "Uh uh-huh, I can run this one over. They can't tell me what to do. They don't realize that you know how much power you have. We need to become like what the scripture says. It says, let this mind, look, let each of you look not only for your own interest, but the interest of others. Oh, my God. Would that we could in America look for the interest of others. Where is that America, the city on a shining hill, according to Ronald Reagan, that looked out for its fellow man? Where you ensured that people who were on Medicare, you didn't try to take Medicare away from seniors who had worked all their lives and who are now retired. And that was their safety net. Where is that America? That people who can't help themselves because they've been born into generations of poverty through systemic racism and policies and public policies that have engendered and endangered a group of people. Where is that America? You make sure that there are stopgaps in the system, that they have access to health care, that they have access to at least basic health care. They have access to food. Stop taking away people's food stamps. Let the people get something to eat. That's what's causing all the crime in the streets. People are hungry. They don't have access to food. Stop taking away their welfare benefits. They can't get a job. They have five children. They, they Because they sat down, they have nothing else to do. They were raised in poverty. They can't help themselves. Stop telling people they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. You had a 400-year head start. No wonder you can talk about themselves up by your bootstraps. How many boots do you have? There are people who have none. So where are they going to get a bootstrap from? Some of us are starting right at the gate, like 400 years ago, never even got started. We're starting off where your ancestors left off. Stop telling people to pull themselves up. Where is that America? You took all the protections out of the system. So now crime is higher than anything else. You've flooded the streets with guns and drugs because that's a form of commerce. Don't let people fool you hiding behind corporate structures. Are you hearing me? Do not let people fool you hiding behind corporate structures. They run girls, they run guns, and they run drugs. The three Gs. Let me say it one more time. They run the three Gs. What are the three Gs? Girls, because girls is a sex trade. They run guns, because that's money. And they run drugs. Drugs is gold. That's what a lot of corporate entities, not just in America, but all over the world, are living off. And then they hide behind this facade of impressiveness. And this facade that they're doing good. They're not doing any good. Their real money comes from the three Gs. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? And have the nerve to come and stand before you and look down and lock up the drug dealer. They're locking them up because they're interfering with their commerce. They're shooting them dead so they won't ever be a witness to say that Mr. So-and-so who lives so-and-so, who owns so-and-so and who runs such and such a corporation is my client. He and I are in business together. Let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus, this same mind that fulfills joy, this same mind of having the same love, being like-minded, being of one accord and of one mind. This is the mind that we should have. The mind that says, let me look out for one another. The mind that says, let me put programs in place that are going to help people, not take away from people. This mind, this same mind, this same mind, let me be the kind of person 
who is going to help one another. Let me be of love towards one another. If I love you, I'm not going to hurt you. Let this be. My daughter was telling me about a Twitter thread she saw yesterday in which young parents were describing their experiences as parents. And she said, it sounds like none of these people love their children. I said, well, maybe they started having children too early. Maybe they shouldn't have because today you can have children at any age. Let's just be clear about that. When I was growing up, you had to have them by a certain age or all your eggs dried up. Nobody cares about that anymore. You can have, as long as you have a womb and you didn't take it out, they can put a child in at any age. (laughs) Okay? Your body will respond to the child in the womb, right? And so when she was describing it, it sounds like, I said, gosh, they weren't ready to be parents. They didn't love children. They don't sound like they love children. And she said, well, what's going to happen to these? And she says, I'm afraid when the kids grow up, then I said, yeah, well, they're not going to love them. They're going to park them in a nursing home. That's for sure. But before they even get to that stage, by the time they're teenagers, they're going to make them pay because people do know when they're loved. Those parents don't have the mindset of being a parent. They chose to have children because it was trendy. It was popular. But they weren't ready to have a child because having a child is a job of sacrifice. In other words, what I'm saying is you've got to be like-minded. One of them was describing how he may have got married and they agreed not to have children and then she wanted to have children. Right there is the destruction of the marriage. You've got to be on the same page. You have to be like-minded. For us to achieve the unity and the unification of our republic, we're going to have to be like-minded. We're going to have to accept that, look, maybe we made a mistake four years ago. Maybe we elected someone who had no capacity. So he had no capacity to guard and guide this powerful nation. He had no capacity not recognizing that leading this nation is leading the world. When you stand before the public and say you're the president of the United States, you're not just leading America, you're leading the world. The whole world is looking up to you for leadership. You need to stand there undoubtedly with all the resources that are behind you, backing you up, and say this is what we are going to do. We're in a tough place, but we're going to come out of it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to love one another. We're going to help. I'm going to put resources there. I'm going to put resources there. And if you need help and you're over there in another country, we're coming to help you. Give me a minute. I will come to you in just a minute. That's leading. That's having compassion. One of the things that has become very clear to us and as plain as day in this 21st century is that you can't get anywhere without compassion. If you don't have compassion, you're not going to get anywhere. They tell us all the time, we, we, we should look to the scriptures, but you ain't reading the same book because you never talk about this unarmed brown man who inspired a group of people in his day and time to write these words. These are not the words of Christ. These are the words of one of his followers, Paul, who looked at the life of Jesus after Jesus said and said, wow, that's the lifestyle that we should copy and emulate. What are we emulating over here? Corporate greed. Where all the money, you ever seen these guys, by the way, y'all, just, just let me ask you this question. You ever seen these guys who run this cooperation? They're titans. You know what their golden parachute looks like if they're fired? They're titans, y'all. They're multimillionaires, not multimillionaires like 10 million, 20 million. Matter of fact, if they have to leave their cooperation, they're walking out with 100 million, 90 of which is cash and the rest. 10 for 10 million is in stock options. I kid you not. Go read their contract. How is it 
that you're running a corporation and your salary is 21 times that of one of your employees. That's a disparity that needs to be addressed. How are you going to be like-minded, like the lowest paid person in your organization? How can you be? It's impossible. It's impossible for you to be like-minded. You cannot know my suffering. You don't know my fellowship. You can't. Not when a limousine is going to come and pick you up and you take a, a jet and you are home. You live five hours away if we were to fly there. And a jet is going to take you home and I still have to go back to the hovel I live in. But I work for you. Your name is on my paycheck. Let this mind be in you. Guys and girls, we are no different than 200 years ago. It just looks different. We're no different from when the Industrial Revolution started in the 1700s. They're still very rich, and there's still a huge gap between the rich and the poor. In America, they like to call it the middle class, but that has disappeared. After this stupid pandemic that was avoidable, totally avoidable, that has wrecked people's lives, people's lives are wrecked forever. They're going to fall into depression and may not recover. Some may not recover. They have lost their homes. They have lost their businesses. That was their income. Now some of them have to go pack up and go live and rent somewhere and go find a job. You've killed people's dreams because of carelessness. And your dispassionate look without compassion, lack of compassion. I don't care. You live in a bubble backed up by the military. You can go into a military hospital. You have health care at your fingertips. So you didn't care about the people who don't have health care. In the midst of a pandemic, 9,500 cases in Florida Saturday, 9,000 cases in Florida on Friday, and you want to shut down health care. Where are the preachers who are the defendants of God? Which ones, by the way? Those very same preachers who call themselves Christian evangelicals, who supported him? Those very same preachers, I'm watching every one of them. They're not preaching the gospel of Christ. They're preaching their own gospel that is manufactured and whitewashed to appease them. How can you say that you have the mind of Christ in you when people are suffering and you want to shut down healthcare? You want to shut down all the global infrastructures that help others? How can you say so? I disagree with the European Union for banning Americans. But at the same time, we, our government, had banned Europeans from traveling to America in March. And now we have the worst cases of the virus. How are you going to shut yourself down? What did you think your power source is made up of? This mind being you. Now the European Union is trying to assert themselves. And they're going to try to do a power grab, to grab global power and wrestle it away from Americans. Pretty soon they're going to require that the bases we have in Germany and other parts of Europe be shut down, the ones we have in Turkey and everywhere else. That's a power grab that Europe is going to execute. You don't want Europeans to be in charge. The last time Europeans were in charge, we had an Atlantic slave trade. You do not want Northern Europeans to be in charge of nothing. I promise you, you heard me clearly. You do not want Europeans in charge of nothing. The last time they were in charge of the world, we had the Atlantic slave trade. When they weren't done with Africans, they went and found Indians and Chinese. 
You do not want Europe to be in charge of anything. They're ruthless. The wealth of Europe is built on the backs of slavery. People talking about tearing statues and monuments. The British royal family exists solely because of slavery. That was where part of their money came from for over 400 years until they started giving it up at the beginning of the 20th century. Talk about a power grab. You don't want those folks running anything. I'm surprised people in, in Britain are still not seeing that fact. They're like, hold on. The royal family is still here. But they, everything was done under slavery in the name of the crown. Are you hearing me? But people are saying they go to church every Sunday and this and that. Let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. Where is that mind? What mind? What mind? The Malachi 3 and 8 mind? Or the mind that says, be gentle towards one another, love one another. Do not esteem yourself so highly. Don't walk around swaggling, I'm the senator, I'm the state senator, I'm the U.S. senator. How dare you talk to me? Listen to your constituents who are hurting. You know, I met a politician a few about two years ago. Her name is Rashida Tlaib. She is the U.S. Congresswoman for the 13th District of Michigan. I met her. I was impressed. I had watched her campaign, and, you know, as a young woman, I wanted to see her progress. But when I met her, she's so humble. She's not arrogant. She's not full of airs. She's so humble and focused on the mission. You meet people, you look at them and take them right where they are. No wonder they must because she wasn't caught up in airs and the establishment. She was humble and focused on the mission. What is the mission? I got this position. She said, Harriet, I got this position because I'm supposed to bring about change. And I'm going to try my best to do it. That was it. That's her mission. She says, I'm going to help the people who look like you. That was her mission. She wasn't going there to go to parties and soirees and hobnob with the rich and powerful. She was going there because she felt that her, her position, her calling, she had the mind of Christ. Now you all going to object because you're going to be like, oh my God, she's Muslim. And God says, I have the heart of the king. That means he can touch her heart. Why you don't believe that? But you're ready to push people away for what they look like on the outside, what they worship like, and what their language is. But you still say you have the mind of Christ? No, you don't. You never read Philippians. Or if you read it, that's not part of what you preach because you have already whitewashed the gospel to make it look like you. When Jesus was an honored brown man, he was as brown as they come. First of all, the dude walked Hundreds of miles. He walked for miles and miles in the sun. If you've been to the Mediterranean, you know it's sunny all the time. So if he walked for miles and miles in the sun, how on earth was he going to be blonde and blue eyes and white skin? It's impossible. Have you ever, this is the thing I've never understood about people who use the color of your skin as a demarcation. I've never understood it because if I go in the sun, I turn brown. Some people go in the sun and most of us turn brown. You turn red, then you turn brown. <laughs> Depending on the, how, many, how much melanin is in your skin, right? <laughs> Hello. 
they look at people from Finland and Northern Europe when they go in the sun, what they turn brown. So how are you gonna look at people who have more melanin than you all the time in their skin and say that you're better than them? That was foolish and stupid a thousand years ago, and it's foolish and stupid today. And you're still clinging clinging to it as a form of power and using it to say, well, that's why I'm better than others. You never had the mind of Christ in you. But what you benefited from was a system that acted like that, so you continued to make money. My friends, we're at this tipping point. I've been saying it for since 2012. I've been saying it for eight years that we're at a tipping point and we're going to tip over. Here we are. This is the beginning. I, I am going to pray really strongly for the next six months that effective deliverance will come, that we'll go through this change with nothing happening to our republic, that the people within this republic will be safe and secure and that God is going to hold the hands of the emperor so he can't do anything, that there will be like-minded people around the emperor who will constrain him and hold him back from doing harm to the people of this great republic. This is my country too. I ran here to the city on a shining hill because with the message that it presented was that it respected me, that it loved me, and that I could live in peace in one accord and of one mind. That appealed to me. I want that country back. I want that republic back. And I am saying to us for the next few days, Holy Spirit, I'm saying to us for the next few weeks, we need to have this mind, Philippians chapter 2. We need to read it, incorporate it into our daily living. And I'm going to hasten to apologize to the members of the LGBTQ community who are celebrating Pride this month. I'm going to apologize on behalf of Christianity. I'm going to apologize to you for not understanding your process, for not respecting your choices, for not incorporating the word of Christ that says love one another, even when you disagree, even when you don't see the way they do, but to love one another. And I am going to ask you to forgive us because we need forgiveness. We need to forgive ourselves because we never preach the mind of Christ, that we should be unified. We should be on one accord. Ladies and gentlemen, leave people be. You don't know their story. You don't know their process. Leave them be. Let people be. Let them do whatever they want to do. As long as they're not hurting children, they're not beating up one another, shooting up one another. Let the people be. You don't like it? You disagree with it? We're going to take back our nation. What nation? The nation that raped my ancestors, raped the women in my family, in my ancestors. That nation that beat up the men in my family and lynched them and hung them from a tree. Really? They're still doing it today. They just call it a different name. My prayer for this nation is that we come back to our like-mindedness. We must come back to being on one accord, being in one place at one time. We must be unified in spite of our differences. We have to build a bridge and climb over these troubled waters 
We're going to have to cross the bridge to equality. We're going to, let me say it one more time. We're going to have to cross the bridge to equality. And the way we're going to do it is to have this mind of Christ, where we respect one another, where we love one another, where we accept one another. That's how we're going to do it. My name is Harriet Kimmick. Thank you so much for joining me this morning on this edition of Down to Earth. Please go to my website, harrietkimmick.com, as well as follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Get a copy of my book, Through the Fire, available on Amazon.com. Help us. Come on, everybody. If every one of you buy a book, it will be a bestseller. Become, help me become a bestseller. Get my copy. Get your copy of Through the Fire, available on Amazon, as well as share my podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Stream it, share it with your friends, share it on your network, and so on. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have a happy Sunday. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Be blessed. Hey, everybody. Thank you so very much. Appreciate you taking time out to be with us this morning. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Oh, wow. Wow. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.